Welcome to Bardstown Church of God audio sermons. We hope that this teaching will bless you. Share with us how God is moving in your life and how this message impacts you by visiting us online at bardstowncog.com. Are you ready? It's time for the word. Reading a, a scripture this morning. I've thought so much and as we're approaching the end of time and the, the catching away of the church, the soon return of Jesus Christ. The things that are going to come upon this earth, I've thought so much about the importance of the Word of God. There's a lot of things that people call preaching, but if the Word of God is not in the sermon, it's not preaching. It's not what Paul told young Timothy. He told Timothy, he said, preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. The reason why it's important to preach the word because he said, Timothy, there will come a time when they will not endure sound doctrine. But they want to hear good things when it's about ready for my return and I'm coming back after a bride, coming back after a church. Would you join with me in prayer as I get ready to preach this morning and ask God to touch us all? Father God, we come to you today in the, the powerful name of Jesus. Name above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ, you are Lord. We choose to bow now. We bow our heads. We bow our hearts. Father God, we just know that today that there's people by the way of in this room but also those that will watch on live stream that they need you sinners need you they need a savior and the church needs you that we will be ready for your soon return may the anointing power of the Holy Spirit be so strong in this house in Jesus name amen would you look at two or three people and smile at them to your right or to the left Give somebody a high five and you can be seated after that. It's great to see you in the house of the Lord today. God bless you. Don't forget to share our live stream uh, on Facebook. And, and uh, there will be a lot of people who watched. I seen uh, yesterday, I think it was, it said over the last seven days that there had been over 1.3 thousand people that had made contact with that and I thank God for that on, just on last week alone and so God is God. the word of God is getting out and we want God to be heard how many wants God to be heard? I do okay I've got a question it's kind of a loaded question you ever hear anybody say it's a loaded question but I've got a question do you have a heart problem? Eulene was on the phone Friday with Sister Tanya, and I was driving. I was driving to Lexington, I had a state council meeting, and then had a Christmas banquet that night. And the conversation kind of went like this because I was listening to it and the response. Tanya, the day before, had had her mother, Sister Connie, to the doctor, and so got a good report. She is a, she is a walking miracle sitting there. You know when you have four blood clots in your lung and you survive and you're up on your feet, you know that God's moved. 
It's something that I heard you say, Connie. You said that you did not know that your mother had an enlarged heart. So let's talk about the heart. So let's talk about the heart. The physical heart, first of all, is an organ that pumps blood. The heart is a muscular pump about the size of a clenched fist inside of you. An enlarged heart isn't a condition in itself, but a symptom of something underly some underlying problem which causes the heart to work harder than normal. Treatment, I'm glad to hear that word. <laughs> Treatment depends on the cause, and I could spend time there, but that's not what my message is about. But treatment for an enlarged heart depends on the cause of it. It can be genetic. It can be different things, but can include diet, lifestyle adjustments, medication, and even surgery. Let's talk a little bit more about that organ there, that heart. I think of you, Brother Couch, because I know that you've had some stints last year. I was with you at several of those. But let's talk about the heart, the human heart, that organ. Let's talk about heart failure for a moment. It's not a disease, but also it is a syndrome, a combination of signs and symptoms caused by the heart the failure of the heart to pump blood to support the circulatory system throughout your body and during activity. And some of this can happen while you're resting or up, but that heart failure can happen. I don't want heart failure. I don't want it. I do everything I can to keep my heart strong. And, and, and if I get a diagnosis of something, if it's genetic, something... I want to do everything I can to live. People ask me, say, how do you stay in trim? And how are you doing this? And how are you doing it? I said, I want to live. And you know what? I'm living to die. I'm living now, and I'm living life to the fullest that I possibly can, but I'm living to die because I know when I do die, I don't know how I'm going to die, but I'm going to see Jesus. Is anybody living to die to see Jesus? Amen. And then there's something else about the heart, that organ inside of you about the size of a man's fist. It's a hard heart. Also known as cardiac fibrosis. Occurs when the heart muscle becomes stiff and less elastic. This can make it difficult for the heart to pump blood also effectively leading to a range of symptoms. I've not talked about the symptoms of the others, but I want to talk a, a little bit about the symptoms of the hardening of your heart, that organ, because it's going to go into the Word of God here in a few moments. I want to talk about the cause of the hard heart, that organ inside of you. It's, it's caused by high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, smoking, excessive alcohol consumption, Genetic factors. Also, the hardening of the heart is also passed down through family, which is genetics. Jesus, concerning the end times, spoke about the man, the organ, the heart. He spoke about it. In the book of Luke, chapter 21, verses 20 through 27, Jesus spoke concerning the end times. Does anybody know we're in the end times? Embarking upon the end of the age. He, he spoke about the condition of men's 
heart. Their hearts. And, and, and also it's not just to be spoken of by Jesus in Luke, but Daniel prophesies about it. Ezekiel prophesies about the end times. All throughout the Word of God, Zechariah, you can read about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just Him being wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger and Him dying on the cross, and He did, but that He would come again. First the rapture of the church, then seven years of tribulation. This is the desolation that Daniel talks about, especially after the th first three and a half years of the end times of the great tribulation. But Jesus said in Luke 21 through 20 through 27, listen to this. And when you shall see, when you shall see Jerusalem compassed about with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let not them that are in the countries enter therein too. For these be the days of vengeance. I wish you could have been here last week. That all things which are written may be fulfilled. Fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people." And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. I'm glad we're living in the time of the Gentiles. Because Jesus, when he died on the cross, we had no access to God. The Jews did through the covenant of Abraham and the Mosaic law. But when that veil was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. It made a way for us to go into the holies of holies. It made a way for everyone to be saved. All they had to do is call on the name of the Lord. Listen, I know the Jews, they denied him. They're the ones that crucified him and said, do away with him. Give us Barabbas. Give us the thief. But if they had not done that, there would have been no way. But can I tell you, they're still rejecting him. There are some Jews being saved, but they don't recognize him as the Messiah. But somewhere in the tribulation, they're going to look to the one whom they pierced and they're going to call him Messiah. And he is the one and they're going to turn their hearts to him. But before all of that takes place, and this begins to culminate, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword, Jesus said, and shall be led away captive into nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down, to the, down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts, watch this, men's hearts failing them for fear. And for looking after those things which are coming. They know, they see this, their hearts begin to fear, but then they look at those things that are yet to come. I read this week aware that it talks about that they were during that time of tribulation and the time of distress that men's eyes would rot right out of their eye sockets. They would pray for death and death would not come. But I like this. It says men's hearts failing them for fear. Not that part. And for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And Jesus said, and then shall the Son of Man 
be seen coming in a cloud and power and great glory. Now that's talking about the second coming. He's coming on a cloud to get the church, but at the end of seven years, he's coming back to set his foot down on this earth, and he's going to be king of kings and lord of lords. Hallelujah. And we'll be coming with him, riding on white horses according to Revelations 19. Is, you know, I get a little weary in this life and everything that's going on in, in the world today and seeing the condition of it, and it just makes me want to go home. There's a place in the Word of God where it talks about that we should have the mindset to be able to say, even so, Lord, come quickly. In other words, hurry up, God, come get us. And I get it because I have family that is lost, but can I tell you, this world cannot continue, and it will not continue in the condition it's in today. Revelations 21 and 1, John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth coming down from God out of heaven. I do not want to speak so much about the physical heart of man today. I know I've talked a lot about that. But I do want to speak about the heart of man as described in the Bible primarily as a spiritual organ that drives man's behavior. It is the place where emotions and desires began. It is that which drives the will of God or, or, or the will, your will, the will of man to action. How many knows your mind drives you to action? What you think. According to as a man thinks in his heart, his mind, so is he. The Bible considers the heart to be the hub of human personality. Your human personality is made up of your heart, the way you think. Scriptures talks about the heart of man in the sense of it has to do with our desires. Jesus, in the, on his great sermon on the mount when he preached, he said, if a man looketh upon a woman to lust after her, he's committed adultery already in his heart. So in his mind, he's already fulfilled that lust and went through the action in his heart. There's joy that happens in the mind. Oh, somebody. That's where it all starts is in the mind. That's where the joy starts, in your heart. Understanding comes from your mind, your heart, your spiritual organ, if you will. Thoughts and reasoning, the way you reason comes from there. And more importantly, your faith comes from your mind. And I understand Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, for God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. So I get that. And he created the mind. Come on, somebody, stay with me for a minute. But here's the thing I know about our faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 10 and 10 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thy heart, thy mind, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died, that he was buried and rose again the third day, you shall be saved. Come on, somebody. With your mind, with your mind, you serve the Lord. With our minds, we serve the Lord. With our hearts, we serve the Lord. Has anybody got a mind for God? Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. I got a heart to serve God. I want to serve Him. The Bible tells us that our hearts, our minds, is a place of where that everything comes out of that. Our heart, everything. Comes out of our heart, our mind. 
Luke 6 and 45, Jesus said, A good man out of a good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mind, the mouth speaks, and we do what we do. I'm not going to stay here very long, but I'm going to, I'm going to say this. I want to put this in here. When you see what went on at Rockefeller Center just a few nights ago with the lighting of the Christmas tree, with that, with that anti-Semitic group that hates Israel, if you hate Israel, you hate God. If you're against Israel, you're against God. We've had enough Hitlers in the world. We've had enough skinheads in the world. Don't lose sight about what I'm about to say, but we've had enough of Black Lives Matter in the world. We've had enough of those pushing on us uh, that we need to take a shot. I just, I, I haven't had the vaccine, and I'm not judging you because you did. But when you cannot go into an airport or you cannot get food in New York City or some of our large cities unless you had shown them that you had been vaccinated, they don't serve you. It's the beginning of the mark of the beast. It's the precursor to everything. Listen, I don't have no problem with what side people are on from the standpoint that they may be on one side or the other. But friend, I want to tell you, I plan on being on the right side. And the right side is righteousness. The right side is God. And listen, if you're on a side that's pumping hate and you want to burn places down and you want to spit on people and you want to say the Israel, the group of the Jews is not God's people, then you are against God. And I'm not pumping hate today. I'm trying to tell you that it's a matter of the heart. Out of that heart has come evil. Out of the heart comes hatred and murder. There's a part of me Haley, that when people strikes back and they want to get physical with me, I want to get physical. If I was in New York City at Rockefeller that night, I'd probably wanted to have pegged somebody, Brother Jerry. Come on, buddy. Come on, just bring it right here. Yeah, I'll jerk your sign down too. But that's not God. That's not who I am. There, there's a part of me that, because I'm dealing with the old man, I know some of y'all don't deal with your old person that you used to be. Your old sanctimonious dry hide. 'Twice dead, plucked up by the roots, Jude said. Paul, the apostle Paul that wrote over half of the New Testament, over half. Most of his writings is to the church, pray every bit of it. And the thing of it is, he said in Romans 7, to the saints at Rome, he said, when I would do good, evil is present. When I want to do the right thing, I find something else inside of me that wants to do the wrong thing. Can I tell you, when this world is gripped with this evil time that we're living in, there's nothing more than the devil would like for us to get in our flesh and fight flesh with flesh. But can I tell you, there's a God that sits on the throne. And can I tell you, he's going to have the last say. And what we need to do is we need to maintain our hearts and not let evil come out of it. Don't give railing for railing. Don't give spit for spit spit. Don't give cursing for cursing. Bless those who despitefully use you. Speak good. Speak blessing over them and God will judge at the end of the time. So, 
So I've just set us up, and I probably won't preach that long now. I don't know. We'll see. The first point I want to talk about is that spiritual heart a little bit more. So with everything I've said and where we're at, ladies and gentlemen, humanity has a heart problem. And and that humanity is in need of a heart transplant. I'm talking about that mind, that, that spiritual organ. Ezekiel 36 and 26, good news. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Now, I know he's talking to Israel, but he's talking about a born-again relationship because Israel is going to turn to God according to Romans chapter 11. Paul said, my heart and will for Israel is that they would be saved. If I could take it for them and they would be saved, I would give up my life now. The reason many are in need of a heart transplant is this. Mark 7, 21 through 23, Jesus said, From within, that is out of the heart, men come, ba- come from them, base and malevolent thoughts and schemes, acts of sexual immorality, thefts, murders, adulteries, acts of greed and covetousness, wickedness, deceit, unrestrained conduct, envy and jealousy, slander and profanity, arrogance and self-righteousness and foolishness and poor judgment. All of these evil things, these schemes and these desires come from within to defile and dishonor the man. Can I tell you, man is in need of a heart transplant. If you're in guilty of anything that was just spoken, you're in need of a transplant. If you're watching by the way of live stream, you need a heart heart transplant. If you're not saved, you need a heart transplant. If you're backslid, you need a heart transplant. Something's happened to you. When we think of anyone that's had a physical heart transplant, has anybody in the building ever had a heart transplant? Anybody? I know we have a nurse in here, Sister Miles, and yeah, 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 yeah. oh yeah. Different nurse said, yeah, thank you, thank you, uh, Sister Riley. <laughs> and, and so have y'all, I'm sure y'all have been around heart transplants and seen them, been around it. I, as a pastor, I've been in and out with people. Dude, I'm telling you, I remember years ago, 30 years ago when they do that, I was like, oh, it's still not good. But we have a pastor right now that we looked forward to seeing on Friday night, and he's on a heart and lung transplant list right now. If he don't get that heart transplant, he's going to die. Talk about the physical heart. But there, listen, what we know is, is that men are in great need of a spiritual heart transplant. Because they're dying without Jesus Christ. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3 and 23. And the wages of sin is death. It's an eternal death. It's eternal separation from God. And man is in need of a heart transplant. When God spoke through Ezekiel talking about the man, him taking out the old heart and putting a new heart in him, he said that after that, that he would take out that stone, that old heart, there'll be some residual left over. You ever been around somebody that's had a heart transplant? My sister-in-law, she had heart, not a heart transplant, but open heart surgery, and she walked around with a, with a little pillow, I bet you, for two or three years. 
you, you, you let that go anytime. Just, you know, it's, it's, it's all over now. I think it's kind of like a blankie. You either put it up here like this or you put it in your mouth. You know, whatever you do, you know. But how many knows, and I'm not minimizing her pain, so don't, you know, she might watch this later. I don't know. She'll, I'll probably get a phone call. Somebody's going to tell her, I know. Oh, you need to watch. But the thing of it is, is I do know this, that after any surgery, but I can only imagine when you've been cut open and, and you've had a heart transplant or open heart surgery, the pain that comes after that. Well, let me tell you, when God gives you a new heart, there's going to be some residual that comes behind that. There's going to be some pain that comes with that new heart. And what specifically? It's found in Ezekiel 26, just a few verses down in 31. And then you'll think back over your terrible life. The evil, the shame, and the thoroughly disgusted you are with yourself, the way you live, realizing how badly you lived when you was a sinner. But God's giving you a heart transplant. All those obscenities you verbalized, all of those things you did, God took all of those sins when he gave you a new heart and put them into the sea of forgetfulness. He cast them behind his back, never to be remembered again. What can wash away your sins? It is the blood of Jesus. It's still the blood. There's no forgiveness without the blood of Jesus. That blood is pumping inside of me today. Jesus is living inside of you today. Get up and give God a praise. Somebody sing a hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ooh, I feel it. I feel it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We used to sing an old song, I'm saved, and I know that I am. Is anybody saved today and know that you're saved? Nobody has to come up and say, are you saved? You already know it. And if they say you that, oh, yes, I am. Well, how do you know? How do you know? God's word says you are, but his spirit bears witness with your spirit that you belong to him. He lives inside of you. How do you know it? Because you have a love for the brethren. When we think of receiving a new heart given by God to us through Jesus Christ, Here's what we've got to do. If you're saved today, or if you receive Christ today, once you have that, God gives you that new heart, you need to guard it. You need to keep it. You need to take care of it. Because Proverbs 4, 23 says that we are to guard our heart, our mind, because out of it flows the issues of life. Everything happens here. You can let things come into your mind into your heart that will lead you back to a place that you don't need to go to. In fact, that heart, if you go back to where you used to be, it used to be and you allow some things, you'll go further than you did the first time. You'll stay longer than you want to stay. And you'll pay a price. Second of all, the church is in need of an enlarged heart. Don't fall out of love with me. The church is in need of an enlarged heart. Now, you know, Sister Connie, we want your heart to shrink because it's that physical one. But we as a body of Christ in our hearts, talking about our minds, we need an enlarged heart. 
an enlarged heart physically. Unless it goes treated, can end up in death very quickly. But on the flip side of that, unless the church's heart, unless your heart as a Christian is continually enlarged, you will die a spiritual death. We need our hearts, first of all, enlarged for one another. Paul, in writing to the Corinthian church, he talks about his heart being enlarged to them. And he wanted that reciprocated back to him. Two-way street. My heart opens up to you. Open your heart up to me. 1 Corinthians 6 and 11, Paul speaking to them said, we are speaking freely to you. Isn't it awesome to be able to speak to somebody freely? He says, we're keeping nothing back from you. Talking about his ministry team. And our heart is opened wide. That's the enlarged heart. There's nothing more than the devil loves to do is get your heart closed up. And they'll not allow it to get larger because of pain and hurt. He says, there is no limit to our affection for you. He said, there's no limit to our affection for you, but you are limited in your affection for us. Ooh. Now in the same way as a fair exchange for our love toward you, I'm speaking as I would to children. Open wide your hearts. Enlarge your hearts to us also. So we must protect our heart in the church, the body of Christ for one another. The church is in need of an enlarged heart, an open heart to love the lost. We need an enlarged heart. 1 Thessalonians 3 and 12 says, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love. There's that enlarged heart. One toward another, and he don't stop there, and toward all men, even as we do toward you. In other words, it ought not to be a love just that happens in the church, but we should, we should love and have enlarged heart for the sinner, for the backslider, for the murderer, for the drunkard, for the prostitute, for the homosexual, for the pedophile, because Jesus died for them as much as he died for you and I, and such were some of us, but we've been justified. We've been cleansed. We were, the, we were some of the most filthiest people from within, and nobody knew it, but God cleaned us up. Can I tell you that God loves the sinners? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The love that we have received by God sending His Son. You know that 1 John 4 and 8 says that God is love. His heart was enlarged and opened up to humanity that He had created. And His desire is for people to be saved. And God wants the church to open up our heart. God, help me to preach this right now. God wants Bardstown Church of God for us to open up our hearts to sinners. That our hearts would be enlarged to sinners. 
It's not enough for us to come here and sit on our seat and sing uh, uh, gratitude to him uh, and I throw up my hands and praise you. There's lost people over this city that don't know Jesus uh, and they're your sons and your daughters and your neighbors uh, and their hearts uh, need to be changed. They need a heart transplant. Our hearts need to be enlarged for sinners. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 5, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessories, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority. Well, that's a hard one right there for me. It's hard for me to pray for Joe Biden. I'm just telling you. Kamala Harris. I'll tell you why. Because they murder babies. That's enough for me not to vote for that. We may be kicked off, but same for Andy Bashir, our governor. Because he was for murdering babies. They took screenshots during COVID at churches. Police did. Ordered the governor to see who was there. Shut down the church, but let's keep the strip clubs open. Let's keep everybody stimulated with alcohol and drugs, but let's shut the church down. But the Bible tells us that we are to pray for those in authority. So you know what I do? My heart is open and wide for Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, every senator, every congressman that has voted to murder babies and same-sex marriage and all the rest of the debauchery that they put up with. I pray for them day after day because I want them to be saved. I don't want nobody to burn in hell. And I want pastors that are backslidden in the pulpit preaching that says that there is no hell. I want them to wake up and know that as sure as there's a heaven, there's a hell. I got heaven to gain. I got hell to shun. And while I go here through this earth, I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Streets of gold, walls of jasper, gates of pearl. No more dying, no more crying. Hallelujah, no more disease, no more cripple, no more cancer. All will be well, no more no more, no more. So we pray for those in authority, and this is why, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So you want to you lead a life of peace. Don't you get out there and fight, fist fight. Don't do that. Get down on your knees and pray. And when it's time to speak, you speak. But not out of hatred. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Watch this. Who will have all men to be saved. And come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man. And the man is Christ Jesus. Finally. Condition of the heart. Of the mind. The spiritual hearts of men have become hardened. By many. And they're in need of treatment. Hard hearts need to be treated. Hard minds. What causes this? What has caused this in this hour we live in? We have many, they're saying there's many ways to God, but yet we hear in the scriptures that there's only one way to God. It's through Jesus. We're told that all roads lead to heaven. All these religions lead to the same place. No, they don't. 
Only Jesus. Everybody say, only Jesus. Only Jesus. That's the only way to heaven. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. What's happened? That's caused men's hearts to be so hardened. Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 12, says, because iniquity, lawlessness, shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Every day you see it where a son has stabbed his mother. A mother has murdered her children. You see where people are fighting in the streets. We had a police officer over the George Floyd thing that, he was, that he's in prison serving time. He was stabbed over 22 times this past week. What's out of that? Lawlessness? That's what that is. The church seems to have its heart hardened concerning the lost and at times toward each other. I, 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 I can't believe in the, how the body of Christ, the church world is so divided. But it's because of lawlessness. Iniquity. This iniquity is in the church. Lawlessness is in the church. Sometimes we want to, I'm almost done. Hang with me. Sometimes we, like we're in here, we're the good guys. Sometimes we don't look no different through the week because we do the same thing they do. We participate in all the things they participate in. And if we don't do it openly, we do it privately. Hiding behind an iPhone. Things hidden in our cabinets, hidden at work. So we can fulfill our lawlessness. And because of this, the love of many waxed cold toward God and toward each other. People wax colder and colder with the Word of God until they don't believe it anymore. They don't want to hear it anymore. The church seems to have hardened hearts concerning the lost and at times toward each other. Why? DJ, would you come? Here it is. 1 John 2 and 15 through 18 says, Do not love the world. Talking to Christians. Do not love the world. Of sin that oppresses God. That's what it is. Don't love the world. It oppresses God. And it, it, it oppresses His precepts. Don't love the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For all that is in the world, here it is, the lawlessness. And don't love the world, Christians. For all that is in the world, the lust and the sensual craving of the flesh and the lust and the longing of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, the pretentious confidence in one's resources or in the stability of earthly things, that these do not come from the Father but are of the world. The world is passing away with all its lust.
with all the shameful pursuits and the ungodly longings. But the one who does the will of God and carries out his purposes lives forever. There's a difference made. We cannot be in love with the world and be in love with God at the same time. There's not good water and bad water coming out of the same fountain. I have found living water. I know I've taken a drink and I've drank it and it's quenched my thirst and I cannot go back to this world if it costs my life. I'm going to make it and it will. Children, it is the last hour. This is 1 John 2, 18. It is the last hour. It's the end of the age. And just as you heard that the Antichrist is coming, the one who will oppose Christ and attempt to replace Him, that Spirit's working now. Even now, many antichrists, false teachers have appeared, which confirms our belief that it is the last hour. Where are you? Do you have a heart problem? What is the treatment for hard hearts toward God, toward the loss, toward one another? The treatment is this. Start spending time with God. The more time that you spend with God, the more you'll think like He thinks. You, know, you could show me your four friends and I'll show you, your, or five, five of your closest friends and I'll show you your future. Let me recommend to you, Jesus Christ, a friend that will stick closer than a brother. Spend time with Him. And you'll become like him. So the first thing for a hard heart, spend time with him. How do you spend time with God? Pray. Prayer is not something that, you know, I, I thought growing up that prayer was something that was, you had to know the, all the word of God in order to pray the word of God. And you need to pray the word of God. And I thought you had to just, you know, kind of do like my dad. Or her dad. Her dad would go, loving, divine, and holy father. That's what he began every time. I thought, well, I gotta say them words. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta have some, you know, I gotta have a little. No, it's just you being you. It's you talking to a loving God that wants to hear from you. And you just talk to him like you do your best friend but you'll find out he's the best friend you've ever had. What'll, 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 how do you treat a hard heart? Get right here and bear your face in this book because it's God's word. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but Jesus said, my word shall never pass away. God says his word is like a fuller soap. It will cleanse. It will give you everything you have need of. So the devil's attacked our time with God and the world has crept in. and We don't spend time with him. So many sinners and backsliders have heart, hard hearts turning away. Sinners have, stay with me for a minute, sinners have felt the tugging of the Holy Spirit. 
conviction to receive Jesus Christ, but they keep turning them away. There's Christians who sits on a, a seat like last Sunday when I preached about judgment of God coming. And even like today, the, the word that God has given me, and they feel this thing in them, they're like, oh, I need God. But they sit there and they'll walk out and they don't get that new heart. They don't get the transplant. They don't get the hardening of the heart taken care of. So what have they done? What do you do when you do that? You're grieving the Holy Spirit, which is God. You're quenching the Holy Spirit of God. This is word. I give you scripture and verse word. Not only that, but it also talks about this, that you can do despite to the Spirit of grace. Do, do despite to the unmerited favor of God in your life. Because Hebrews 10, 28 and 29, anyone, everybody say anyone, who has ignored and set aside the law of Moses is put to death by the, in, by the mouth of two or three witnesses. That's a law. How much greater punishment do you think he will deserve who has rejected, rejected and trampled underfoot the Son of God? Who has considered him to be unclean and common? The blood of the covenant that sanctifies us. And has insulted the spirit of grace. The Holy Spirit draws us. No man comes to the Father except he be drawn by the Spirit. Who imparts to us the unmerited blessing of God. So what do you do? Stand with me. What do you do now? I'm not trying to be dramatic. You want to talk about drama? Talk about when God told a prophet, your wife's going to die and your son, I don't want you crying. Talk about some drama. I want you to tie a girdle around you and I want you to walk around with this next to you. People probably going, what? It's drama. Probably when John the Baptist came preaching repentance, eating locusts and wild honey, long hair, looking like a wild man dwelling in the wilderness. Boy, that guy full of drama. But friend, I want to tell you, God desires for you to be saved. If you're cold and lukewarm and your relationship with God is not a relationship full of the Spirit of God and you've been quenching, you've been grieving the Holy Spirit, you're despite, doing despite to the Spirit of grace that you have received, it's time for you to repent and do your first works over. It's time to get ready because Jesus Christ is coming back. Pastor, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Talking about drama, Hosea, and I'm going to read this last scripture. Hosea, think about having that name. And your wife's name, Gomer. Oh, Jesus. Hosea, a prophet, his wife commits all kinds of whoredoms, sleeping around. He has three children. He said, take her back. <laughs> Dear God, take her back. You know what that's a picture of? 
God said, this is what this is about, Hosea. It's a picture. It's a story being showed out how that I have been married to the backslider, Israel. And I'm going to take them back. Don't you ever think you've went too far. God is ready to receive you back into his graces if you're a backslider. But what do I do, preacher, if I'm a sinner and I've been doing despite even to that spirit? I've been grieving, I've been quenching, and I've been saying no to God about salvation. What do I do? Hosea said this in Hosea 10 and 12. By the word of the Lord, so with a view to righteousness. That righteousness like a seed in the ground that will germinate, so to righteousness. Want to do the right thing at this moment. Reap in accordance reap in accordance with mercy and loving kindness. In other words, when you turn and you say, God, I want you, and you start wanting to do the right thing, you're going to receive grace. You're going to receive mercy upon mercy, and God's going to take you. But he says, what to do? He said, break up your uncultivated ground. Break up the fallow ground. That old hard heart. Now quit being stubborn and saying yes to the Lord. For it is time to seek, he said. Here's the altar call. Here's the altar call. It is time to seek and search diligently for the Lord and to long for His blessing. This is right out of Hosea. Until He comes, God, to reign righteousness and His gift of salvation to you. Your head bowed and I close. I'm not, not going to ask nobody to raise their hand about nothing. But I just want you to get ready to pray. I want you to bow your head and think for a moment. Think. What's the condition of your heart? Are you ready to pray? Are you ready to break up the fallow ground? Are you going to search out the old path? Or go back to Calvary? Go back to the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. Would you just step out of the aisle? Let's pray. All over the building, let's pray. Let's draw closer to God. Let's get closer to God. If you're a sinner, time to come. Backslider, come. If you're a Christian, let's draw closer to God. Come all over the house. The altar is open. Time to pray. Time to seek the Lord today. Seek Him while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. We pray that you were blessed by this message. For more information about Bardstown Church of God, please visit us online at bardstowncog.com. Have a great week.